you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cash back on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. You ever get that feeling like the concrete jungles closing in? You crave wide open spaces, the chance to chase your own dinner or just breathe clean air. Well, listen up. There's a whole world out there waiting and finding your piece of it just got easier. Head over to land.com. They've got ranches, forests, mountains, you name it. Search by acreage, price, location. They've got it all. No matter what kind of wild dream you're chasing, Land.com can help you find the ground to make it a reality. So quit dreaming. Head over to Land.com, find your open space, and get out there. And now, Move the Sticks with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Move the Sticks. DJ Bucky back with you. And uh, Buck, man, we've got a chance to have... I'd say one of the best guests we've ever had on here back again. The first time we had a chat with Luke Keekley was phenomenal. And uh, I think this one's going to be better. Yeah, I think this is one is one of the best conversations that we will have with a, uh, a former player who really has a great perspective on the game. Luke Keekley, obviously uh, a three-time defense player of the year, uh, two-time defense player of the year for sure. But you talk about a guy who understands how to play the game, understands the ins and outs of the game, to have a conversation with him about the nuances of the game is a fantastic one. Yeah, he was the NFL Defensive Player of the Year in 2013. He was the Rookie of the Year in 2012. Seven-time Pro Bowler, five-time uh, first-team All-Pro. So not 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 too shabby of a career there for Luke Keekley and uh, really one of the most cerebral players you'll ever talk to. So it's awesome we get a chance to visit with him. I did do a little homework um, just before we get to that interview, Buck, because last time we talked to – Luke, he brought up the fact that I said, what stat matters to you as a linebacker? Like, what, what are you into? And he said tackles for loss for off-the-ball linebackers mm-hmm. was always telling. Mm-hmm. So in uh, looking that up, there's a rookie that's leading the league mm-hmm. right now in tackles for loss from off-the-ball. It's actually Nick Bolton for the Kansas City Chiefs. So having a phenomenal year there in Kansas City, 11 tackles for loss 
uh, as an off-the-ball linebacker, followed by Demario Davis, uh, who's been doing it a long time. He's got 10. Matt Milano's got nine. You've got Roquan Smith with eight. And then you've got three guys tied with seven. Deion Jones, Quincy Williams, who was picked up by the Jets mm-hmm. after the Jags didn't, didn't want him any longer. And then Patrick Queen. Patrick Queen gets a lot of heat for what he does in coverage, but uh, clearly making some things happen against the run on the other side of the line of scrimmage. So I always I thought it was a fascinating point that he brought up about tackles for loss for off-the-ball linebackers. Well, I think it's even more fascinating when you think about Nick Bolton and the draft, you know, yeah. and some of the concerns, be it with the size or speed or with any of that stuff. But then when you watched him on tape, and Missouri, he made a ton of plays. And so it's just another lesson. Like, look, man, trust what your eyes see. Like guys who kind of find the ball in college have a tendency to find the ball in the pros. And he is, I mean, he has quickly become an impact playmaker for the Kansas City Chiefs on the defense. Yeah, well, we're going to have a, a fantastic conversation coming up here with Luke Keekley, one of the best defensive players we've seen in the last 25 years in the NFL. Just phenomenal. And again, uh, you're going to appreciate the intelligence that he brings to the sport as well. Uh, you're going to love this conversation. We're going to roll that right after this. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter let's please welcome jamal crawford to point game king of the court one-on-one tournament if they had it back in your prime do you think you could have took it all i'm gonna be honest with you i don't think i could have took it all but i think i would have shocked a lot of people i think kobe and everybody in their prime kobe would win a one-on-one contest yeah yeah because you gotta think he's gonna guard he don't care about guarding He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. He's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he ain't it? <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, snag a job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On-demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, snag a job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S., 
That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash iHeart. That's LifeLock.com slash iHeart to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. All right, Buck, so excited to have Luke back with us. Luke, appreciate the time, man. I, I guess, first of all, uh, just what you've been up to uh, since we last caught up to you. Yeah, so I, I, I've always enjoyed the outdoors. I love to fish. I love to hunt. And when I was playing, you know, the fall is a, a lot of times the best time to do all that stuff. So I've been on a few trips. I've been on a couple trips with my dad, a couple buddies. I'm going on a trip with my cousin the next two weeks. So I've been out. I've been Kansas, Montana, down to Texas, and then we're going to head to South Dakota here the first week of December. So I've been staying busy with that. Something I've always wanted to do. I miss, I miss the game, but this has been a cool opportunity for me to do something in the fall that I otherwise haven't been able to do. Okay. So how are you getting your football fixed though? Like how, how, how are you keeping up with it? What are you doing to stay on top of it? Because I know you can't be away from it for that long. I still, I still watch it. I uh, still follow the guys in Carolina. Um, and, you know, a lot of times, you know, Monday night football is always easy to watch. Sunday night football is always easy to watch. By the time a lot of these trips, you know, you leave, you leave midweek, you get back Sunday. So Sunday night football has always been easy to watch. A lot of times I fly a lot of times on American Airlines and they have that little media, the little media thing you can pull up on your iPad. And a lot of times it's been a lot of Fox games have been on. I think it was the second, first or second week of the season, I flipped on the Fox game. And I heard a voice and I had never heard that voice before. I'd heard that voice before. And I was like, oh, it was Greg, it was Greg Olson. Greg was, doing the, Greg was doing the Tampa game. I think it was Tampa, Atlanta. So I flipped it on. I'm like, wow, that voice is really familiar. He said a couple of things that I'd known to Greg say before. And it was fun to watch the game. He's, he's been really he's been really fun to listen to. I think he's really enjoying it. He's done. A, he's doing an awesome job. I'll tell you, what, one of your other former teammates is now uh, back home again with Cam Newton back in Carolina. Yeah, what were your, what yeah. was your take on that and uh, and the energy and juice he seems to have brought to that team? I love Cam. I mean, he's he's so fun to be around. The energy that he has, the love of the game he has, his ability to compete. I think that's one of the most underrated things about Cam is his competition level and his want to win and how hard he works. And I think he's just really proud to be back in Carolina. I saw him. Um, about two weeks ago, right when he got back and he was grinning from ear to ear, how he always does. I think he, 
you know, he's excited to be back and obviously he's just excited to be playing football again. So to have the opportunity to kind of come back to Carolina after being in New England last year, I think he's excited. He's pumped. And I know that that's that that stadium was rocking when he uh, when he came back this week. He had a, a couple of vintage camp plays on that long touchdown run and then he went to the middle of the field and put the ball down and did the Superman. So it was uh, the energy that he brings, I think, is is unmatchable. You know, Luke, now that you've been away from the game for a little over a year, like the game is always evolving and changing. From a defensive standpoint, what are some of the things that you notice are a little different from the time when you were playing? Is there a trend or anything that you've been able to spot or identify? Well, I think when I first got in, it was a lot of, you know, a lot. you're in base a lot. So 21-12, gap scheme runs, power football, lead like ISO lead plays in the B-gap on over fronts to the will. And as, as the game, as – my time in the NFL progressed, it switched over to, you know, spread them out, wide zones, zoom sweeps with McVeigh and Shanahan and all those guys doing that now. And honestly, I think the beginning of my career, I came in at the right time for how I played. I loved, you know, run fits. I loved gap scheme runs because it was really pretty straightforward. It's like this guy, this guy is going to be the guy that blocks me. If I can beat him, I'll make a play on the ball every time versus the wide zone. The ball is going to hit wherever there's a crease, wherever there's a seam, whether you know, the three technique gets cut out or I get reached in the B gap. It's the game's changed more from 21 and 12 and kind of pounding the ball and heavy play action to spread it out wide zone boots and then shots down the field. So to me, I think I was very fortunate to get in when I did, because I think my game was more predicated towards that gap scheme, play action, not as much spread them out as they're doing now. Yeah, I wonder though if everything's just kind of cyclical. It all it all ends up coming back around because I was thinking about New England and uh, was getting ready for them when they were playing the Chargers a couple weeks back. They have a lot of two back runs, man. Mm-hmm. I mean, so like you said, the rest of the league's kind of gone to that Shanahan, the wide zone. It, it looks like the New England Patriots are kind of trying to get ahead of the curve as it comes all the way yeah. back around again. Well, I think I think they're they're very confident in what they do in New England. I think they believe in what they do, and they they get guys on their roster that that they know will fit. They don't get a guy that is super talented and really good, but he doesn't fit what they do. They, they want to find, I, from the outside looking in, I feel like they find guys that they have a, they have a distinct role for him. I'm going to bring this guy in. He's going to be a fullback for us and he's going to block lead, lead plays. He's going to block power. He's going to play on special teams. And I think that's one thing they do really well. They know what they know what they are and they know what kind of player they need. You know, and thinking about that, there's been a lot of conversation about their defense. And I know you never played in their defense and their scheme, but when you watch it from afar, what is it about what the Patriots do that confounds so many offenses? Because it always appears that their defense is always one of the best, particularly down in the red zone. Especially against young quarterbacks, too. Yeah. Luke. I mean, this team eats up young quarterbacks. They've been doing it for 20 years. Well, I think Belichick does a fantastic job on the defensive side of the ball. But I also think, you know, talking to guys that I've played with from New England, especially on the defensive side of the ball, I think they're coached extremely well. I think they're very multiple with their fronts. Um, I think they draft guys that fit. You look at, you know, Dante Hightower and even Kyle Van Noy, they can play off the ball. They can play on the edge. They can rush. They can drop. They can cover. And I think they do a really good job finding defensive backs that fit that that scheme. You know, they went out and, they went out and got, you know, to lead. They paid Gilmore. Um, J.C. Jackson's a stud. You know, they, they McCourty's in the back. They have smart guys that understand the game, and, and they're coached extremely well, and everybody just does their job. I think football is simple at the end of the day when you just 
line up, do what you, do what your job is and believe in what you're coaching. That defense is always good. Sometimes I think early in the season, they get some new guys in there, but at the end of the season, they're rolling. And I think that's kind of where they're at right now, especially the last few weeks. One Hold on, DJ, let me ask a question yeah. about this, because I heard you say it twice. You talk about their coach really, really well. Look, in your estimation, what is great coaching on the defensive side of the ball? Because you alluded to it like everyone doesn't receive the same caliber of coaching. So in your mind, what is good coaching on the defensive side? Well, I think, you know, you start from the coaches down. I think it's a it's a clear and concise message on what is this defense? If we're going to play cover three, this is what McDee did such a good job with. These are our these are our run blitzes. These are our pass blitzes. This is what we're going to do on third down. And I'm not going to I'm not going to throw curveballs at you. So you guys are going to know what to expect. And then, you know, in your in your pass coverage stuff, these are our rules. And this is how we're going to attack people. And then this is what we expect from you guys. I think so. When you talk about scheme, I think the player needs to understand what you expect from them. And you have to make sure that you're not throwing change up at change ups at guys. So when you have a when you have your third down menu, we're not calling that stuff early in first and second down unless the game situation dictates that. But I think that's when I think guys have to understand what's expected of them. And then I think the technique and the positioning is huge. I think that's one thing that they do really well in New England is they game plan extremely well. I think those guys are very educated on um, what to expect. I thought that's what we did a really good job in Carolina with was we were pretty simple on defense. We knew what we were doing, but we also were very well prepared. So 11 personnel, three by one, these are their top runs, like boom, boom, boom. Two by two, it's boom, boom, boom. Third and long, seven plus, this is what you're going to get. And then once you get in the game, it's just how quickly can you recall what you've gone over during the week? So you install stuff in OTAs, training camp during the week. Okay, we're playing quarters on third and seven. This is how we play quarters from April. Boom, now I know how to play quarters. And then you then you slip into um, what have we been prepped on during the week. And then you always fall back on your technique. So I think if guys know what to expect from your playbook, they know what to expect from the uh, – the team that you're playing and they understand their technique. I think that's where teams are really able to have a ton of success. One of the things I'm curious about, and we'll move on away from the Patriots here in a minute, but it is, it's fascinating to get your take on this. Um, how important is it that everybody on the defense know the roles of all 11 spots? Cause when we were going back through and looking at them a couple weeks ago, you had Adrian Phillips and Kyle Duggar have spent like 10% of their snaps at five different positions. So they're moving those guys. I mean, I think they're, that role in that position, it's the same assignment, but these guys are able to bounce around into different positions because it feels like they have kind of a broad understanding of what the whole thing looks like. Well, I think, you know, when I first got to Carolina, my first year was, <clears throat> what am I doing? What is my job? Right. In cover three, I'm here in quarters. I got this. I set the front this way and I would get hit on, on plays and I didn't understand why. And <clears throat> as time went on, the coach was like, this is why you got hit here. And this is why you need to understand where different people are going to be. Because I think the more you understand the whole defense, the more you understand where I'm, where I'm stressed, where I'm safe, when I can take chances on things, you know, if you're looking at, especially in man coverage, right. I was, I was really poor in man coverage early in my career. And a lot, I mean, I wasn't great at it in general, but if you're playing man coverage and you've got a, a whole player, if you're playing too high, you've got where, where is your help? I don't have any help in the middle of the field. I got help over the top and outside. So mm -hmm. if that's where I'm going to push guys. That's where I'm going to feel safe. That's where I know I, if I get beat, that's where I can get beat to. So I think the more you can understand what's going on on your defensive scheme, 
the more you can take chances, especially really in the run game, I think, if especially in angles. So, like, I think one thing that we did a really good job in Carolina were, were edges. Mm-hmm. So the outside guys, normally the corners, they're setting edges and everybody's inside out to the ball, right? And that that job for those corners is difficult because all they got to do is sit out there and constrict an edge and they're not making a lot of plays on the ball. And I think that'd be super frustrating as a corner. You do all the work, you push the ball back in and somebody else makes a tackle. And I thought we did a really good job, especially on the edges of those guys staying disciplined and doing that and letting everybody else just run to the ball. Because if I'm tracking an inside hip of a ball carry on an outside play and I know, and I see the edge, I know that ball at some point has to cut up. But the moment that guy sneaks his head in, that ball bounces, my angle is bad because yeah. I was expecting it to cut up inside. So that's the important part, not only for those guys, but also for, for backers in general, I can't, I got to do the same thing. If I get a pulling guy around the corner and my job is to, to keep outside leverage, then I keep outside leverage and let Thomas come in and clean the ball up or Shaq, whoever the other linebacker was. So it's, it's not about making the play on the ball. It's about doing your job. And I think the best defenses in the NFL, they all do the same thing. You know, look, it's funny because, um, the league is continuing to shift, particularly at your position at linebacker. So now we look at a guy like a Michael Parsons who comes in the league as a linebacker, but then we're seeing him play heavy snaps off the edges. When you look at a guy, you think about someone who has that kind of tool set. How difficult is it to go from playing inside to outside in today's game? Well, I think, you know, we Mike is a stud, right? I think he's got eight, he's like eight and a half sacks already this year. Mm-hmm. And I think that'd be very difficult for an offense to play against, right? You don't know what, what are you going to count him? You can count him as a big, you can count him as an off the ball guy. That's kind of some of the the stuff we had to figure out when we played New Orleans with like guys like Taysom Hill. Like, what do we count him? Is he a receiver? Do we count him as a running back? Do we count him as a tight end? But I think, you know, you, you look at those guys that can play on the ball, off the ball. Thomas did that a little bit for us in Carolina. And he was always jacked when he had an opportunity to rush <laughs> off the edge because it was like, Hey T like, you're an off the edge rusher, go get the quarterback. These are your opportunities inside, outside moves. Um, but Micah's, Micah's special in the sense of that size that he has and his ability to almost play that defensive end in a stand-up role is unique. But I think that's kind of where the the league's trending now in the sense of these guys that can play off the ball, but then you can, you can morph into a five-down look in a sub-package and you're not losing any athletic ability if he has to walk out on the slot. So I think it's if you have a guy like that, it's a it's a big time luxury. Uh, that's fascinating. I, I was we were talking about the other day. I was saying, man, I know if I'm Micah Parsons, and you look at the franchise tag numbers for an off the ball oh, linebacker versus an edge, you're, you're a pass rusher, right? That's that's <laughs> well, what you're you know going to be. I think, you know what I think is really funny is like all these guys wearing these single digit numbers, so they want to wear a single digit number. But then if you wear a single digit number, that classifies you automatically. <laughs> As an outside linebacker, so when you yeah. go to the table and be like, "Well, I played most of my snaps at DN," it's like, "Well, no, you you just said you were an outside linebacker in the preseason <laughs> and you switched your number." So, like, you got to be yeah. careful if you're going to say, "I'd rather be in the '90s and and get the DN tag than be a number nine and get the outside linebacker tag." Yeah, no, you can have the posters, the cool posters with the single digits. I'll take the paychecks. <laughs> <laughs> paychecks are cooler than posters. Uh, hey, Luke, one of the things we've seen this year, I think it's really starting to spread. We, we're kind of in a lot of, uh, of a too high right now. A lot of shell coverage we're seeing and kind of just that emphasis on limiting explosives. The You know, I, a lot of people say kind of the bend but don't break style of defense. W- what's your take on that? And uh, 
what, what was it like playing if you're pl- as a player to be playing in maybe a little bit more, I would say, more conservative defense and more of an attacking group? Yeah. So I thought we played, we were a primarily a single high, excuse me, mm-hmm. quarters team, right? And then a little bit of two sprinkled in. So we got that shell, but we got it more in the sense of, of quarters. And mm-hmm. I loved it. I loved it in the past game because <clears throat> underneath, you know, your three inside guys are matching. So all twos and threes are all matched. And I felt like I could play aggressively on tight ends and aggressively on backs out of the backfield. And we had good matchups with Thomas on tight ends. And we always felt good about our nickel in the slot. And it allows those guys to play a little bit more aggressively because if they get any kind of a vertical concept, they're protected over the top. And I think the league's transitioning, I think, to more passing. And that's kind of what Tampa did in the Super Bowl last year was keep everything in front, let the team run the ball. And then once you get into the red zone, like we've got to be really good and tighten up in the red zone and create and, and kick field goals. And it makes a lot of sense. And um, But I think the key to playing that split safety look is you got to be able to stop the run when you need to stop the run. Like, mm-hmm. And if you're on first down and you show split safety and you check run, you got to be able to tackle for four yards, right? If you give up five, six, seven, then you're kind of defeating the point of playing split safety because it's second and three, right? So I think if you can limit the run game to four yards on first down, if you're playing two or a deep four or something, I think you count that, count it kind of as a win. I like that. So you can actually put a number on that book. So you're kind of just saying that's kind of the target number because I'm, you, you see it every week and I'm like, okay, I get it. I don't want well, you want to give up explosives, but when it's second and two, man, you're putting yourself in a bad spot. But that four-yard number, I think, is fascinating. Yeah, second and two is so scary for a defense because it can be either it's a run the ball or a short pass or it's a shot. And even yeah. if they don't complete anything, it's it's third and two and you're still – got to play man or zone or pressure or something. You know, look, I'm, I'm going to have you put on your coaching head now. So the league has a bunch of young quarterbacks, right? And so if you could craft a plan against a young quarterback – he can be mobile or not – what do you believe are some of the – difficult things that young quarterbacks have to face and what would be some of the things that you want to put in your game plan? Well, I think you got to, you got to show them different looks, right? It's, it's super cliche and easy to talk about, but a lot of these young guys that come in, they're all smart. They all understand football. They understand split safety versus single high, but I think you got to see how quickly they can process post snap. Right. And so if you show split safety and you rotate down or you show single high and rotate to two, I think you can't make stuff look easy for them, and you also can't give them easy throws over the middle. I think that's when guys start really rolling is when they can complete balls over the middle for 10, 12, 14 yards, and then they start getting in the rhythm a little bit. Um, That's what I would try to do, and I would try to push the pocket and make them uncomfortable up front. That's one thing that we always talked about, and I think it's true. These guys, if you can muddy the middle of the the offensive line and so they can't step up in that pocket, I think it – it makes their life difficult and makes your job easy, especially for those inside guys. Like, look, this is what we're looking for. We're going to game plan heavy inside push on third down. We're going to limit throws over the middle and we're going to make him earn it. I mean, if he's hitting 15, 16 yard outs and he's hitting deep comebacks on the other side of the field, you kind of have to live with that. But if you can make it hard for him and not give him, not give him easy stuff, you can't just line up and cover three and say, well, he's a young guy. He's not going to complete the ball. Most of these guys can do that. But if you show, split safety and then you rotate down to three and then you show man and you play press bail and you know get into three it just the more you can change these looks up for the guys the better the better more success you're going to have because i think it's these guys are so used to seeing stuff in college like 
come out middle closed, look over to the look over to the sideline, get a play change from the quarterback, and then it's a predetermined throw. So I think if you can get to the point where it's it's difficult for them, their life's not easy. You get inside push, and they can't throw the ball over the middle with success. I think you can have some 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 good luck. So I'm going to take what you just said and, and flip it over to the other side and think about it from a team building perspective. So let's say you're bringing in a young quarterback, a rookie quarterback, and you want to get him up and established. We've always talked about like the three P's, right? You've got to have a good play caller. You got to have protection. You got to have playmakers. But listen to you talk about, you know, interior pressure and taking away easy throws. Like to me, I'm thinking like if we narrow that down, if you're going to roster build around a young quarterback, it would seem to be having a, a really strong interior three along your offensive line. And then, you know, whether it's a tight end or a slot, but somebody who can give you easy baked in completions would be kind of a, a key component to make a young quarterback comfortable. Would that be on, on target? I think so. I think the inside of that offensive line is super important. I mean, when we had success in Carolina, we always had Ryan, you know, Ryan was a mm -hmm. stud. He could get everybody lined up. Um, and that was the one thing that was difficult within our division was the centers were so good. You know, Drew had Max Unger for the latter part of my career. And then, um, you know, they got Ryan Jensen down in Tampa and then um, Alex Mack was in Atlanta. So I think if you're a young quarterback, I think the best thing that can happen for you is you feel protected and you have an easy outlet. And however you want to do that on the offensive line is, is I think super important. And if you can get a guy like Greg, Greg could just get open. He could, he could, wherever the ball was, he could catch it, but he could uncover, he could get open. He was smart. He was an easy guy to throw the ball to. So, you know, if I was a young quarterback, I wouldn't want to get hit and I want to be able to get the ball out quickly to a guy that I know could get open and catch the ball. So that's, I would agree with you on that. You know, it's funny because um, I'm Luke, I'm sure you heard this from your coaches. They always talk about championship defenses are strong right down the middle. So when you think about some of the defenses that you played on, what were the key components from a personnel standpoint that enabled you guys to be a great defense? So my, my rookie year, um, we, I thought we had guys that, uh, that were really good up front. I'd never, <clears throat> I'd never played with guys like that, that were that big and athletic and strong. And I was like, these guys are awesome. And then um, my second, going into my second year, we drafted Starlo Tutele. He plays with um, Buffalo now. He's a first-round pick. He was a stud. Um, and then Kwan Short was – they kind of both played, you know, the shade and the three. And then we had um, Dwan Edwards, which he was – he started in – he was in Buffalo. and yeah. in, in Baltimore. Baltimore. We drafted him yeah. in Baltimore when yeah. I was there. he yeah. was unbelievable. He was just a great older guy that just understood football, right? He could play three, inside, outside. He could do everything. Um, and then we had Charles Johnson and Greg Hardy when I first got there. And then we drafted a few other guys. We had Pep when I was there. And I just know as a linebacker, if your front four guys are really good, not only can they rush the passer, but they make getting to the second level super difficult. And especially back when I got in, a lot of it was run the ball, run the ball, run the ball, throw play action off of it. And our defense was so good right up the middle with those front four guys that everybody's job after that was easier. And I thought that's how we built our team was edge rushers, um, inside big guys that could affect the game at two levels, both run and pass. And then um, Thomas and I were just kind of able to hang back there and, and just run around. <laughs> it was super that. easy. I mean, my <laughs> first few years, we just we just hung in there and run around and starring KK and Dwan and all those guys just dominated up front. Oh, that's fantastic. Uh, I, I want to go back to the coaching thing that, that Bucky was talking to you about a little while ago. Um, did you notice a difference from when you started in the league to when you left? about you know 
how how it was different coaching you're receiving you know in terms of just the younger guys coming in maybe some of the old school coaching was not as as prevalent as when you started was there was there a change at all during your during your career I think I think I was very fortunate with the guys that I had in Carolina you know you look mm-hmm. when I was there it was you know excuse me Sean McDermott Steve Wilkes Al Holcomb Eric Washington right mm-hmm. and we had Sam Mills and a couple other guys that were in there and then I had Steve Russ he was my linebacker coach after um, Al was there and my rookie year we had a guy named Warren Beelan and they were great teachers they understood the game but they they taught really well I wouldn't say they're necessarily old school guys but they understood they understood how to talk to guys they understood the relationship side of football um, so there wasn't a ton of yelling and screaming and dog cussing and belittling guys it was more of like this is what we want to do this is how we're going to do it I'm going to teach you and put you in the best position to succeed and I think we always had older guys that when maybe the coach's message didn't get through to the players each guy every every room had a dude that could really pull the young guy aside and be like hey this is what he means and maybe it didn't sound like that but this is what he means and I was fortunate I think in my situation in Carolina from Ron Rivera all the way down that we had great teachers and great people and people that valued the relationship side of sports and football in general. Um, so I don't think there was a ton of like the dog cussing and, you know, mm-hmm. I don't know how it is everywhere else, but we were very fortunate. You know, look, it's, it's funny because I'm listening to you and you talk about the relationships. And one of the things that I've learned from, from great coaches is that um, the team is always better when it's player driven. And mm-hmm. on great defenses, it appears to be that the standard is upheld by the players and it's not necessarily about the coaches. So talk about the peer pressure that leaders can put on other guys to make sure that everyone is playing and performing to the standard. Well, I think, you know, you look at our defense from when I was there, the guy that was always there was Thomas, right? And Thomas Thomas set the standard. He set the tone. Um, and he was so competitive that he could challenge guys to be better without, without yelling at him. And it was such a unique trait that he had and he practiced so hard. And so it's not like he'd come to the, come to the sideline during practice and get on a guy about, why aren't you doing this? Why aren't you doing that? And the guy looking at him and be like, well, you're not doing it either. It was, you saw Thomas on tape doing it. And you're like, wow, if Thomas is doing it and he's been in the league for however many years, like I might as well do it. And then I think what was really good for us was we had, so you look in the DB room, we had, you know, we had a guy named Quentin Michael, and then we had Roman Harper, and then mm. we had Kirk Coleman, and then we had Mike Adams and Eric Reed. And you look at all those guys, they're all the same dude. Smart, intelligent, effort, tough, and no one practiced harder or was tougher than them. So it's not like if you're in that room and you're a young guy and you're being lazy and one of those guys gets on you, it's not like, well, you're not doing it. It's like, well, they, they watch you in practice and they're like, wow, like he's getting on me for it and I'm not practicing as hard as he is, and he's been in the league for 10 years, like, I might as well do it. And the same thing up front with, um, you know, Charles Johnson was a D-end, um, Dwan Edwards, KK and Star, like, those guys, you didn't need to say anything to those guys because they just did it the right way. And all the young guys, when they came in, you looked at those older guys, and it was just expected. And there was no really – there wasn't really a choice. There wasn't really an argument. It was – this is how we do things. This is how we expect you to do it. And this is why we do it. And then it shows up in the game. And I think that's where the coaches did a really good job is something would show up in a game and they would, 
maybe maybe a run got out and it was 30 yards down the field and we stunk on defense but one of the D linemen ran and chased him all the way down and tackled him 30 yards down the field go mm-hmm. coach it and say hey you know you got to be in your gap you got to do this you got to do that but look at this guy look at Kyle Love he ran all the way down the field tackled this guy and then we get off the field with a punt or a turnover or a field goal instead of a touchdown I think the coaches expected us to do things the right way, but they did a really good job of highlighting it when we did it. And I think that gives guys a lot of ownership to the fact that like what I'm doing is being seen. It's amazing. You can watch some teams have that and others don't. I mean, you just, just in what you just said, just watch the bigs chase and some teams you'll see it and other teams they'll take that play off. I think it says a lot about your culture and about your overall defense. Yeah. Um, One of the things we were talking about the other day, Luke was uh, if you look at like the top eight rushers, I think was coming into last week, six of the eight, were 220 plus pound guys. Mm-hmm. So it, where the league kind of trended more towards the smaller, you know, pass catching backs, there's kind of a little bit of a resurgence of these bigger physical guys. What was that like as a linebacker? Uh, maybe as you get into the fourth quarter and you're dealing with a back that's a that's a bigger back. I think they they're they're just a pain, man. Like <laughs> they're just a pain in the butt. You know, like fortunately for us, we had Stu, right? So we kind of yeah. kind of had that guy, and I got to watch it. Um, but when you play bigger backs, like, you know, obviously everybody wants to talk about Derrick Henry and what he yeah. does. And Jonathan Taylor looks to me like a big back or Leonard Fournette down in Tampa. Yeah. Those guys are just big and strong and physical. I mean, and they're hard to tackle. Marshawn was like that. And you just, you just got to hit him, man. Like, it, you know, the game goes on and it's like, man, like it's especially, <laughs> especially you get in the four minute situations. It's like, they're going to run power. They're going to run bounce. They're going to run wide zone. And you got to go smack that guy because you know it's coming. He knows it's coming. And if you're not locked in, it can wear on you a little bit because mm-hmm. those guys, I think those I think those running backs just love getting that ball at the end of the game, like time for me to show up. And But you just got to play, man. And that's at the end of the day, you got to think maybe if, if you're tired, you got to think that guy's played a lot of snaps too and he's tired. Um, and it was – I enjoyed that part of the game. But those guys, man, I'd rather – I'd rather hit a guy that's 200 pounds and 240. So <laughs> it's pretty, it's pretty straightforward. <laughs> well, you and DJ are kind of taking me to where I want. Like, I, I think there's a notion where football has changed and it's become a little more of a finesse game with all the throwing. But Luke, you've been in enough playoff games to know that when you get in the postseason, it's a different animal. Um, can you talk about like just the physicality and urgency that is necessary to be a championship team? At the end of the day, how physical the game has to be if you want to hoist the trophy. We think, you know, at the end of the season, every play matters. You know, in the middle of in the middle of the season, you know, a couple plays here and there it might not be a huge deal. Obviously, they obviously super important, but if you can run the ball in the playoffs and play physical and take pressure off the quarterback and just control the ball, I think that's how you win. And you know, teams that are able to do that have had a lot of success. I think, I think New England's a lot like that. Tampa was able to run the ball when they wanted to. I think that's the thing with the run game is you got to be able to run the ball when you want to and when you have to. If if you can't run, if you can run the ball and get six yards on first down every third or fourth play, you might have a good average at the end of the game. But in the playoffs, I think you need to be able to run the ball when you have to and when you want to. And I think that ultimately comes down to a mindset and a set of physical guys up front that want to block and a running back that's not afraid to pound the ball. And then on the defensive side of the ball, it doesn't matter if it's split safety, single high, you're pressuring, you got to stop the run because then that makes teams one dimensional. And then your guys in the edge get all excited because they can pin their ears back and rush. But 
the physical side of the game shows up in especially December and January, especially in the playoffs, obviously, when the ability to run the ball, I think, is more important. You got to be able to run it when you want to and when you have to, and you got to stop it the same way. Physical football. I, I was talking to a coach the other day, Luke, who said they had just played a team and they had some success against them because when they went back and, and kind of looked at what had gotten them in previous weeks defensively, it was said this this team, like they're, they kind of almost scrapped their whole offense and basically just ran everything that had gotten us in the previous three or four weeks. It's like, yeah, well, we made the corrections. Like we've mm-hmm. made the corrections and it was like, oh, here comes this. And this is from the game two weeks ago. This is from last week. How important is it you guys kind of defensively learn from maybe what you got hit on over the season, knowing that these coordinators are going to give it to you again? We yeah, we played, I don't remember what year it was, but we we something happened to us early in the season, right? It was it was a tight end throwback play, and it scored as like a forty five yard touchdown, and it was super embarrassing because the guy was wide open. And then we got it the next week, and they scored again. And we're like, gosh, we're terrible. And then <laughs> and then it showed it started showing up in practice every week and every week and every week once or twice a week probably two or three times a week and then by the end of the season we got it three or four more times and we had it taken care of because it was such a point of emphasis that you know it was this guy lines up here this is the look this is the action the pre the post-snap action and this is where he's going to end up and we we started getting it later in the season and it was we knocked it out right but you know, if if I'm if I'm an offensive coordinator, I'm watching a game and I see teams have success consistently on a certain concept or scheme idea. I'm probably going to throw that in there too. So I mean, it makes sense. I think you know we always talked about the league as a copycat league, and the funny thing is we got another situation. We played Cleveland in twenty so twenty eighteen, and they they scored. They popped a long run on like some crack toss shovel pass to Jarvis Landry, and then. Um, they ran, they got six forty yards on it, and then they ran it again later in the game for like a touchdown or a two point conversion. And then we got it later in the season two other times. And now I've seen it happen yeah. in a league a bunch since then. So it's like everybody sees a play and like I like that play, I'm gonna put it in. But as as you begin to practice stuff more and more often, you just get used to those oddities. You know, it's funny because what you mentioned is like the copycat nature of the league, and I feel like the league trends like that offensively and defensively, like one year uh, Tampa two becomes the invoke thing. So everyone spends all off season doing those things. Lou, what's the danger in doing that kind of stuff though, kind of morphing to what's the trendy thing as opposed to kind of sticking to what's your identity on the defensive side of the ball. I think you nailed it right there. Like stick to what you're good at and stick to what you've, what you've installed since day one, right? Obviously you can have some stuff and change some things up, but, if, if you installed it in OTAs and you thought about it all offseason as a coach, then I think you feel pretty good about what you put in on the defensive side of the ball. So this is how we're going to play cover three. This is how we're going to play four. We're going to switch up the split safety and play two every once in a while, and these are going to be our man and zone pressures. And this is what we're good at, and I'm going to coach off that. And I thought that's one thing that we did well for a long time in, in Carolina was this is what we are. We're not going to change who we are on a week-to-week basis. We might change how we play some things, but I'm a big fan of, especially on the defensive side of the ball, take pride in what you do, know what you are, and and just coach it up. So if you get a weird look during practice or you watch something on tape that's strange from the team you're playing, make sure that you go over it and all your three, four, two, your zone pressures and on third down. And if you can coach it and you feel good about your scheme and your system and your coaches and their ability to coach, I I just like staying with what with what we got. 
I'm curious, Luke, at this point in time in the year, you know, it's a 17 game season for the first time. Do you remember anything kind of in that last quarter of your rookie season or maybe some advice you gave to rookies as they were kind of coming down the home stretch here of a long season? I just remember getting to right now Thanksgiving and you look at the schedule and there's like five or six games left and you're like, <laughs> oh, my gosh, like I should be done or I, I should be getting ready for a bowl game. I should have three or four weeks off where I get a week off and then we have bowl practice. And I think that the thing, especially as a young guy, that it's not so much the physical toll, but it's it's the mental toll of the season. Right. You're you're in it all the time. Right. You don't you're there early in the morning, you get out in the afternoon and you're there every day. And it's always something new, right? New scheme on the offensive side of the ball, new install, um, you're at practice, and it just mentally, it just wears on you. So I think for me, one thing that helped me, all these older guys that talked to me about that going into my rookie year, like, you need to get on a schedule and you need to sleep and you need to eat well. Mm -hmm. If you can get on the schedule, the season will just roll by and then you just kind of have to lock in once December hits because those are the games that really matter, especially – my, my first year, we didn't go to playoffs, but my second year, we were in a playoff push with um, with New Orleans to win the division and then get a first round bye. And so you didn't really have a choice but to really lock in. But my rookie year, we weren't going to the playoffs. And it's like, man, like the season is it's long. I, I'm usually done by now. I've got five more games. You know, it's 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 a grind mentally, I think, more than physically, especially when I was a young guy. So now you're head coach, 17-game um, season because it's longer. How do you navigate it differently than you would under the normal circumstances that you played in with a 16-game season? Because the one game doesn't seem like a lot, but it is a little different deal. How would you manage it at the end of the year if you were head coach? Well, I think the important thing is, is the, the, the recovery, the physical aspect, the recovery aspect of, mm -hmm. of how you schedule practice and when you guys when you give guys – days off and I think with all the analytics and all these GPS numbers and that that all these coaches have and all these teams have they can I think they can put a plan together that allows guys to recover and then be ready to go on Sunday because you look at the week right the only thing that really matters is how well how good do you feel on Sunday so if I'm a coach I'm working back from there and understanding like all right I got to install this this and this but my days to recover are here and here especially for an older team how well how well can they recover and how good can they feel going into that game on Sunday? And I think that's where that extra game really comes into play is how good do they feel physically? And I thought, you know, when we went to the Super Bowl, I felt like we were super healthy. You guys had great energy. You guys felt really good and they were healthy and energized going into that game. So I think that 17th game just adds another little bit of a different dimension. But I think if you can jump on it early in the season and give guys built in time to recover, I think that's where you can have a benefit. Well, man, you've been so generous with your time uh, catching up with you again. This has just been a blast. I, I've got to leave you here. The last question, a scouting question, is, is two scouts here. We're always looking for a little scouting nugget. Uh, so you've been on all these hunting trips. I, I need to know, uh, scouting-wise, like what's at the top of the board? What's at the top of your draft board? Which hunting trip is, is up there? So we, I did, a, I did a trip with my dad in Montana for elk. Um, that was a lot of fun. We bow hunted it, and we had, we, we had success. But I love I love to hunt whitetail, and I've been getting I've been getting my butt whooped the last few years with uh, the whitetail. So that's that's on the list right now. I gotta kind of I gotta figure it out. I gotta crack the code of what it takes to uh, to get on some big whitetails. I've had some some close encounters. I've seen some good looking deer, but I just haven't had the opportunity to to close the deal yet. So that's uh, hopefully next time I chat with you guys, I can report some good news. 
Oh, that's fantastic. <laughs> oh, that's so good. Hey, Luke, you are, you are the best, man. It's so generous with your time, and we always end up taking pages and notes here. It's great stuff, man. We appreciate you. Cool. Thanks for having me on. All right, Buck. Once again, I uh, can't thank Luke enough. Very generous with his time. We kept him a long time there, but uh, so much insight. The pages is full of notes here. Uh, what, what struck you as the most interesting thing to come out of that conversation? Man, so many notes. A um, couple of things. I think the way he talked about building a championship level defense where he focused on the front. Uh, I thought his comments on setting the edges in terms of playing great defense, how the yeah. corners at Carolina did a great job setting the edges so he could just kind of run and flow. And then I, I, I just think his insight on coaching, and he kept coming back to the same point on whatever you put in in the offseason, you need to continue to trust and rely on that. And he was very detailed and specific about those things over and over and over again, where he talked about the reps and knowing the comfort level, knowing who you are and not doing what we call a lot of last minute changes in the middle of the year. I think that's critical because for someone who I would regard as a high IQ player to say that I want comfort, structure, consistency, to me, that's saying everything. Because if he is asking for that, imagine what those guys who don't have some of those same capabilities what they need to be able to be successful in floors i was thinking of bb and mts so bill belichick do your job right famously yep. you you have the uh, documentary with that title you see him say that every single week uh on the sideline there with the patriots so you've got the bill belichick do your job but then you've got the move the sticks motto of know your formula formula yeah i mean know that's is that not what it is like know who you are what you're about and stick to that yeah know who you are know what you're about don't deviate. Don't don't try and get off the rails. Uh, when he talked about the cute stuff, the trendy stuff, he's like, oh, that's great. Yeah. But you got to know who you are and who you are, what you have and all those other things. And I think it's, it's really great to hear because, like, we always talk about the game changing, but really it remains the same. And I think Luke was able to give some perspective on even though the game evolves, it still comes down to a couple of things. Um, in terms of how you play schematically, but it's still about the urgency and effort that you bring, the overall physicality, and just kind of understanding how you have to fit and how you have to ramp it up when it gets late in the season. I, I also love the conversation. You brought up a great question about how do you attack these young quarterbacks um, and make them uncomfortable. And he talked about how you change looks and and just you've got to get some interior pressure. We flipped it around, and then he was excellent on talking about maybe how you would try and build around a young quarterback. Mm -hmm. And I. I I don't know that I've ever thought of it in those terms, but because we've always said, right, you know, play callers, playmakers mm -hmm. uh, and protection. But I think the protection part, let's narrow that down. I, You know what? First round picks, high price free agents, that interior three. It, it, we are going to create a wall with that interior three. This, some of these quarterbacks coming to the league are so athletic. Anyways, you get a little heat off the edge. You've got an issue with a tackle. You can chip. You can use a tight end. You can help those guys out. You got no answers when your interior three aren't good, and that's a so that's a young quarterback's kryptonite. You got no shot. It's funny. I, I believe it might be all quarterbacks' uh, kryptonite. Going back to my time in Kansas City, I had a chance to play for Marty Schottenheimer, but the defense coordinator at the time was the late Gunther Cunningham, and yeah. Gunther used to drop nuggets all the time about attacking the quarterback because um, we were a heavy pressure team, real blitz heavy. We're coming after, and he said, you know, depending on the style of quarterback, he said. You need to blitz him right up the gut so they can see it as well as feel it. When you're playing a guy that is more of an immobile quarterback like a Tom Brady or Peyton Manning, you want to hit them right in the A-gaps so they can feel that pressure on them. Coming off the edges and stuff is fine, but
for the great quarterbacks, the ball is out before you ever get there. But coming up the middle, like Luke is talking about, being able to have pressure up the middle and being able to have a fortress in the middle of the pocket for the quarterback to throw comfortably, that's really what's about. And so draft times, we well, until recently when we talk about Quentin Nelson, we always kind of kind of dismiss the importance of guards and centers and all we can find any of those guys. But DJ, when you start looking at some of the top teams, the top offensive teams, mm-hmm. take a look at who they have on the interior. Those positions inside. Just look critical. at the rookie quarterbacks. Look at the they're look critical. at the rookie quarterbacks and compare the interior three. So we could really say interior three and easy completions. Yeah. You have a good interior three, and you have guys that give you baked in easy completions. He talked about work the, the middle Got of the in. field being able to yeah. do that. So, and you see, you know, Mac Jones works a lot to the perimeter with safe throws. And then as you get more comfortable, you're going to get easy baked in completions with the tight ends they went and paid. So uh, it's just fascinating to kind of look at these different teams and how they're they're you know connected. The Jags, I wouldn't say their interior mm-hmm. three or easy completions are a big part mm-hmm. of what they do. The Jets, you know, I like Elijah Vera Tucker, but they need a, a center and a guard to put next to him. They don't really have a tight end right now. I think Elijah Moore is going to be able to give him some of those easy completions from the slot. You've seen that, some of that uh, recently. Um, the Bears, I don't know that there's a, a bunch of easy completions, and I know the interior three is not not great. Um, you kind of go all the way through the li- yeah. you kind of go all the way down through the list here. It's fascinating to to look at. Yeah, build it. You know, we've always been uh, big proponents of building in the trenches on both sides of the ball. I think our experiences from the places that we work for and been around and our overall philosophies and team building kind of married to a hey, O-line and D-line. You got to be big and strong in the trenches. But even now, I think we're screwing towards more of an inside out build, build it inside, make sure that you're solid right inside and then kind of work your way out to the edges. Um, to make sure you're able to get it done. And we're seeing on both sides, DJ, I just have this vision of the Cowboys game and how impactful Chris Jones was as a defensive tackle. And even though the Cowboys had an all-pro in Zach Martin, he had a long day dealing with somebody on the inside. And to me, Dak Prescott played arguably his worst game of the season for sure and one of the worst of his career in terms of just being uncomfortable. We can talk about the guys not being available on the outside. But it was a constant and persistent pressure that Chris Jones was able to provide that completely wrecked the game plan and disrupted his rhythm. I think there's there's some lessons to be learned from that and also from what Luke was able to talk about. Yeah, man, just uh, I mean, we could go on and on and go through each of his answers because it was fascinating. It was great stuff. Um, I hope you guys have enjoyed that conversation as much as we did having it. And uh, and we'll have him on again soon. We get an update on his hunting trips and see uh, if he was able to get the whitetail. By the way, uh, truth serum, if you'd have told me whitetail was a fish, I would have bought it. No, no clue. Not not. I a, was uh, guessing. I was guessing because <laughs> of the, the hunting. Yeah, because of the hunting. I was like, whitetail, the only animal that I know with a whitetail that would be kind of like. They'll be like Bambi, Bambi. Maybe you say maybe you say some dad. Like that, that's the only thing I can think of. I can't think of anything else. Like it's not a rabbit. It wouldn't be. It wouldn't be Thumper. He's not going uh, after Thumper, right? Thumper, thump, thump. yeah. uh, yeah, <laughs> like, That's so that's good, the man. Only that's the only thing that I could think. Oh uh, yeah, no. Hey, I, I just hey, good, we both good. played it off like we knew what we hey, were talking about, man. We both good, played it good. off well. Yeah, good for you for playing along. And, hey, what you do is you just nod your head. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm with like you, I, man. Yeah, I'd like to get that elk, too. Yeah, like, hey, like, just pop an elk. Like, like, no interest, dude. Like, hey, like, like that one, 
that one I, I didn't get the memo on that one. I I miss I missed that one. The the, the hunting rage. I know. Fish, I know. Maybe. I miss, I'm, yeah. Maybe. Maybe I could try a little bit, but yeah, I think I probably. Yeah. Yeah, I think fishing would probably be more my jam. Uh, but uh, yeah, hey, give, let's maybe give it a try here. Maybe try a little hunting trip and a little fishing trip and see if the, if any either one of them uh, work. Ugh. I don't, I haven't really done much of either. But uh, anyways, hey, let's uh, let's take a quick break. We'll come back and wrap this thing up. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game, King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think you could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Casella Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. And then I, his, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what so. I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he didn't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real Steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, 
Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cash back on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. All right, Buck, this was a fun one, man. Uh, anything else you want to add before we get out of here? No, I mean, I, I think it was great. And I think, DJ, anytime we have an opportunity to talk to uh, a player with that kind of insight and perspective, I think it makes us all smarter, right? I, I, I just, being able to really have a long, lengthy conversation with the guy who's one of the best at his position, who had great experiences on great teams, and to be able to share that, to me, man, I, you talk about the pages of notes. I learned a lot in that conversation about not just defensive football, but all things football. Uh, I know Luke has talked about kind of resetting and understanding the fall, but man, that kind of knowledge to me, that, that has to be shared in between the lines. And I can see where he would be a great coach um, at whatever level he elected to do it. If he decides that coaching is in his blood. No doubt. Um, getting a chance to enjoy this season of life, but I, I have a feeling that his football uh, book is not uh, finished yet. There's more to come there. He has more to give to the sport. Just a, a phenomenal dude. So thanks again to Luke Keekley for his generosity with his time today. Great conversation. Hope you guys enjoyed it, and uh, we'll catch you next time right here on Move the Sticks. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cashback on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. You ever get that feeling like the concrete jungles closing in? You crave wide open spaces, the chance to chase your own dinner, or just breathe clean air. Well, listen up. There's a whole world out there waiting, and finding your piece of it just got easier. Head over to land.com. They've got ranches, forests, mountains, you name it. Search by acreage, price, location. They've got it all. No matter what kind of wild dream you're chasing, land.com can help you find the ground to make it a reality. So quit dreaming. Head over to land.com, find your open space, and get out there.
Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club.